0: Good morning, everybody. How we doing? It's good to uh, it's good to worship. It's good to gather. It's good. It's good to get up this morning and be able to breathe in air, even if it's a little smoky. Right? It's just good. I don't know about you, but I feel a little broken today. I'm broken over the state of a variety of things, and broken over the state of affairs in our world. Um, But I'm reminded of the goodness of the Lord, and I don't want to forget that in the brokenness. In fact, I want to take some time and pray this morning before we dive into the Word of God. So if you haven't met me yet, or if I haven't met you yet, my name's Brian. I have the privilege of being uh, the pastor, one of the pastors here at Harvest. I'm certainly Glad you're with us today. I want to highlight just one other thing that was inside your bulletin. Uh, Our Bible bookmarks are out for the month, and so we begin a new month uh, this week. And as we begin September, uh, as we're sort of chronologically reading through the Bible in various places, uh, we have made our way to the Gospels where we're reading now. We will make our way into the book of Acts and some of the letters uh, of the New Testament as we go through the month. And so if you've been reading your Bible, then great. If you've got your own Bible reading plan, then that's great. But if you're in a place where, you know, it's sort of fallen off, I just want to encourage you. I like to take the first of every month or the end of every month and just when we put these out and just challenge us, right, to jump right back in. To don't, don't feel like, oh, man, I lost my reading plan. I got to wait till January when reading plans start, you know. Uh, <laughs> the Bible doesn't really work that way, but that's the way our brains work. Right? And so I just want to encourage you to read your Bibles, jump in. And if you don't have a Bible, we've got Bibles outside. We give them away for free. We'd love to give you one. So so here's the thing. I find myself broken in a lot of ways looking at world events and looking at the news and just thinking a lot today and this morning about brothers and sisters near and far. And I want to take some time to pray this morning with you for, for them. So will you pray with me? Jesus, we have much to be thankful for. And yet it is our tendency to get caught in a cycle of news that reminds us at every turn just how crazy this world has always been. And so right up front, Jesus, I want to thank you for grace. And Lord, I pray grace over my brothers and sisters that are gathered with me today. Grace that welcomes us home. Grace that forgives our sins. Grace that loves us through and grace that carries us through our own storms. Lord, I pray for brothers and sisters around the world who have families, family members that won't come home because of the events of the last week. Lord, I pray that you would be near and dear, that you would bring comfort and strength. Lord, I pray for brothers and sisters who are don't have the comforts we have. They will gather for worship this morning, but hidden in homes and hidden in caves. They don't have lights and drums. Brothers and sisters that don't have comfy chairs and nice facilities to meet in. And in many ways, I pray that we would learn Culturally, from them. But I pray for them, particularly those in the threat of danger, especially today. I pray for their protection, but I thank you for their salvation. Lord, I think of brothers and sisters who literally as we speak right now have had to abandon their homes in the face of a hurricane. Lord, I pray protection over life. I pray protection over livelihood. And I pray for those that are working in the midst of it. I pray that you would protect them and sustain their lives. Lord, I think this morning of brothers and sisters, some of our own family who are lying in hospital beds fighting for their life right now. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them. I pray that you would strengthen their families as they can't be with them. And Lord, I pray that you would bring healing. I entrust them to you. And Lord, I thank of brothers and sisters in the medical profession who over the last weeks have cried out to us all. Nurses, doctors, techs, they're ready to give out or give up. I pray that you would sustain them through this season, that they might be the healers you've created them to be. Lord, I thank you that we can gather this freely, this easily, and that we have your abundant grace. And I ask today that we may realize what a privilege it is to worship you and what a privilege it is to pray for brothers and sisters around the world. Jesus, work in our hearts today as we study your word. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen, I love you guys. Thank you for praying. It's a real privilege, isn't it? I gotta admit, prayer can be quite confusing sometimes. If you've ever really worked on your prayer life, You know the ebb and flow, the in and out, the coming and going of the tides that happen in prayer. You're nodding your heads like, like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Prayer can be quite confusing because on one hand, Jesus said, in fact, we're going to look at it today. If you have your Bibles, you can open them with me to Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, gospel of Luke chapter 11. Again, there are Bibles outside on the table. There are Bibles around the room in places. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have it on screen today. But here in Luke 11, Jesus basically says, ask for what you need. That it's good to ask for what you need. That there's no problem with asking for what you need. That you should ask and seek and knock. Ask for what you need. Your Father knows before you ask, but ask. Then on the other hand, the Bible tells us that sometimes, James chapter 4, that we ask, but we don't get what we want because we often ask with wrong motives, which I think is a good correcting perspective, right? Given the tendency, particularly in American life, to speak of prayer as though it's the genie in the bottle and speak of prayer as though all you've got to do is is name what you want and then claim what you want and then God will give you what you want. And so you want a big shiny truck, you've just got to ask for it, name it, and claim it. Not sure that's what Jesus had in mind when he said, ask and it will be given to you and seek and you will find and knock and the door will be opened to you. And so prayer can be confusing because sometimes we pray with what we think are right motives, what we think would be in line with what God wants, and sometimes God still doesn't answer those prayers either the way we want or hardly ever in the timing we want. So what do you do? And what's a Bible believing Christian to do? How do we get it right when it comes to asking God for things? Not just for things, but for people. When asking God for salvation, asking God for grace, asking God for gratitude, asking God for contentment, asking God for the perspective creators that change our hearts. How do we get asking for things right? I want to take you again, I mentioned it, Luke chapter 11, you're already there, I hope. I'm going to find it in my Bible, so pardon me while I take a moment to get there. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. There's this great little section of teaching on prayer. It goes like this, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when finished, or when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, and then he gives a version of what we think of classically as the model prayer or the Lord's Prayer that's found over in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew which would lead some to say that this is the same as the teaching in Matthew. But it, for me, I think is a reminder that that good, solid teaching is not a one-off kind of deal. That Jesus knew what he was saying and that it's good to be reminded. It's okay to be reminded. And the question sort of becomes, well, where does this fall? I also wonder, Jesus Lord, Jesus teaches to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said, well, then pray like this. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Did Jesus come up with that prayer or did Jesus learn it from John? It would be John the Baptist in this case. So he said to them, when you pray, say, and again, it sounds very familiar. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Lead us not into temptation. And then Jesus said to them Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight. So, midnight in your world might be go to bedtime, anybody? And I, some of you are looking at me like you're nuts. Midnight is like well in to go to bed, yeah, ten all right ten 's good nine anybody nine do I hear eight do i hear do I hear wish you could go to bed at eight you know i mean it's right it 's like every kid 's nightmare is to get to put to bed early, and every adult 's dream is to get to go to bed early. He says, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight for this for them, this would be um, Actually, in their way of thinking, Jewish time, this would be very early in the beginning of the day, because their beginning of the day begins at sunset, to which they begin the day with rest, which is a psychologically very different thing than the American way of looking at the day, where we get after it all day long, and then, because we got after it all day long, we need time to wind down, you know what I mean, Right, And then we can't wind down and we can't sleep, so then we get these out and then we spend more time winding down from our winding down. And then we finally rest in sheer exhaustion, we hope. Jesus said, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and you say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Remember, grocery stores were not a thing back then. This is not as simple as, you know, what kind of Safeway bread do you have in the pantry? Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. See, you also get a picture of how small their homes were, right? Because the friend comes to the door sort of knocks, if you will, and says, friend, lend me bread. And the friend just supposedly says, hey, we're already in bed. Now, if you come knock on my door, it's going to take a while because I'm not likely to hear it. My bedroom is not next to the front door. Is yours? So there might be some pounding involved. Friend some persistence involved Jesus says I tell you that maybe it doesn't go this way that even though he will not get up and give you the, French, the bread because of your friendship, yet because of your, this is an interesting word, it's two words in English but one in Greek, because of your shameless audacity, your, your lack of respect for what is proper, your lack of self-respect, you could translate this word, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. And seek, and you will find. And knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, which of you parents, if you will, if if your son asks you for a fish, How many of you fathers will give him a snake instead? May I have food to eat? Oh, sure. Here's our viper. Good luck wrestling with it. How many of you, if your son asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Anybody do that with their kids? Don't answer that. I know there are days. If you then, who are evil, that's an uncomfortable word, but I don't know what else to call us as humanity in comparison to God. Again, the news cycle we prayed about this morning takes all of about half a breath to realize that God is good and we are not. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give to you? Specifically here, he says, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. One of the other places where it records this story, it says, give good gifts to those who ask him. Of course, I would remind you, and we'll come back to this, but but to give the best is to give yourself. I think that explains the giving of the Holy Spirit here to those who ask him. It just leaves me in this place thinking, what's your biggest need? What's my biggest need? What's Harvest's biggest need? I mean, here we are in the midst of a pandemic. The world seems to be crumbling day by day, right? Parts of Oregon, not far from here at all, are on fire. Many of you have friends or family who have either huddled, hunkered down, or, or, or sort of run away to escape hurricanes hitting, what are the needs that we have in our lives? And that's not to count the things where where we each day by day have to worry about how do we get sick or keep others from getting sick. We face daily pressure. What needs do you have? And how do we pray bold prayers? Prayers in times like these because the reality is the world suddenly didn't go crazy the world's been crazy for not years not decades not even centuries but millennia we're just experiencing a little more of it in the moment and we're a little more tuned into that reality for one thing we have media to keep us on the edge of our seats around the clock right We literally know what's happening halfway around the planet. That wouldn't have been true in previous times. So how do we pray? How do we get asking for what God should want? How do we get that right? And here's what I want to challenge you with today, sort of the one thing that this message is about, that if I can give you any one Idea today that might be a little different or something to to give you something to chew on during the week I want to challenge you in this way And the one thing this message is about I want to challenge you to learn to pray a little different to learn to pray proactively not just reactively, you know what I mean, I think proactive versus reactive those words are fairly common in our culture these days but we don't use them often in the concept of prayer and I want to apply them here because I want to think about how often, and I am very, very guilty of this, and so, so just stand with me in confession. How many of your prayers are reactive? Something happens in your life. Something happens in someone you care about's life, and you pray reactively. Someone gets sick, you pray reactively. Someone's hurt, you pray reactively. You want God to heal because you're hurting either emotionally or physically or spiritually or relationally. You pray reactively. Does this sound familiar? Anybody, anybody else pray reactively? Yes, this is the vast majority of our prayers. The vast majority of my prayers. And yet, as I read this prayer of Jesus, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, doesn't sound like a reaction so much as it sounds like an, an intention. Now, I don't want to guilt us a whole lot here. I, I, I don't want to go after us and say, hey, when you're praying reactively, you're praying bad and you should stop doing that. It's totally fine to pray reactively. It's good to pray reactively. How many, how many of you know someone with COVID at the moment? It's good to pray reactively. There is nothing wrong with that. But it's also good to pray proactively. Do you know anyone you don't want to get COVID? It's good to pray both ways. So what's the biggest need you have in your life? Your brain intuitively tends to go to reactive kinds of questions. What's the biggest need I have? Well, I need healing in this aspect of my life or I need strength over in this, act of my, this aspect of my life. or my, my family needs X, Y, Z. Reactive prayers are fine and good and there's nothing wrong and we don't need to stop them, but I would suggest that we ought to be thinking about how to pray for more. And we really have the unlimited resources of God at our disposal who's saying, "Come and ask me for what you need." Imagine you had a best friend who said, come and ask me for what you need. And some decades later, you find out your best friend was worth, they had it all. And you said, oh, I just didn't wanna bother you. Now again, when I say, what do you need? And we say, hey, that big new shiny truck. Not that there's anything wrong with trucks. Several of you drive trucks. I'm not trying to pick on truck owners. But it could be big, shiny new minivan, SUV, little electric car, Tesla. We all look at it, and we all think, I need. Put the "e" -e -e" in need. But really, what would you ask for? If God said to you, I tell you what, just right up front, I'm going to tell you that there are certain things on my mind, and they have to do with the kingdom of God. Now, this is Jesus literally teaching to us, right? Saying, the kingdom of God is always on my mind. In fact, Jesus often began his parables saying, the kingdom of heaven is like or the kingdom of God is like. And so the kingdom is always on the mind of Jesus, and he is wanting the kingdom to grow and expand and have influence, and his parables tell us that. So certainly there are certain aspects of the kingdom that we can pray and know that God wants, longs, God is excited to answer those kinds of prayers. And what really would we love to see God do in this church or through this church? I mean, what if, what if it was 50 people to respond to the gospel in the coming year? 50 is more than we have in the room in the moment. Our church is much larger than this, right? But we have COVID calling us into a smaller place. We have a bunch of people online this morning. We have a bunch of people out traveling today. It's summer. School's about to start. So there's a lot of reasons why people wouldn't be around. But still, for us, 50 would be, I think, a really great number, wouldn't it? I mean, doesn't Jesus want to save people? What if every single one of us in this room right now were praying for one person specifically to come to know the Lord in the coming year? And what if God did that? Wouldn't that be cool? This is the kind of proactive prayers that I think... I've thought a lot in the pandemic about how early in the pandemic we felt really constrained by the size of these walls right, that we could only put so many people in the room when we were under those percentages. You remember those days, right? So it was, hey, it's 25% of the room, it's 50% of the room. And we were, I mean, literally getting out tape measures and trying to say, okay, how much how much room can we add by counting the stage and how much room is added when you count that there's a quiet room for for nursing moms or those that need a little separation of space and how do we fit? And the number was so small that we were still discouraged. I mean, if God was really active and 50 more people were reached, we had a space. Even with our two services, 50 more people consistently would put us under normal circumstances without COVID in play over the top in terms of the space we have. And I think about this corner lot we have here and what God could do in facilities. And I don't mean to make that the big shiny truck, but what would God do? What could God do if we had more ability to use our campus to serve our community? What if we gave away more to the community? What if we did more than we currently do with Monroe Middle School and families that are in crisis? What if we did more in our homeless ministry than we currently do because more of you got involved and said, how can I help? What if we serve kids in even bigger ways because Because kids and families in our community really need it. And we found ways to say we're going to serve families, young families particularly, at all costs. I'm just thinking about ways we can pray proactively for what God wants to do in our community. what if we planted more seeds for the gospel? Because certainly there's a harvest to be had, but you can't harvest what you don't plant. And Jesus talked about that often. And so what if our goal this year became to double or triple or quadruple the number of seeds for the gospel, seeds of grace that we're planting, that you and I took intentionally the moments to plant a seed with someone, not for the church to do it, meaning like, uh, you know, the, 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 they, cause I don't know who they are. I don't know. Have you ever met they? I know we, Sometimes I get thrown into the category of they, right? Right, but there's no they here, there's we. What if we said, God, we really want to see you work and we want to plant more seeds to the gospel and so show me how to plant more seeds of grace to give away more kindness, to affirm the concept of God in people's lives, to say to people, how can I serve you? It's not like God wants our families to fall apart or our families to be destroyed, what if there was more intention? There's a lot of room for that, isn't there? There is in my life. So I wanna go back through this and just applicationally, I wanna give you five keys for making requests in the right kind of way. Five keys for making requests the right way. Five keys for bold prayers that aren't selfish. Key number one, I need to remember that prayer is an act of surrender not just a request-making mechanism. That's way too wordy. I apologize. I couldn't think of a simpler way to say it. At least we only have a couple of blanks to fill in. I don't make you write the whole sentence. Back in my day uh, when I was first saved, I was in high school. I'd go to church, and our pastor would preach, and if he had long points, there were no screens. You were just feverishly trying to write the long point. You know what I'm... Some of you are looking at me like I remember those days. Yeah. Remember that prayer is an act of surrender, an act of submission. It's not just a request-making mechanism. Again, we've talked a lot in the series, Prayer's not the genie in the bottle, or, or God's not the genie in the bottle, where prayer says, wiki, 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 and God pops up and says, you have three wishes, what shall I give you? I ask for infinite more wishes, you know. Prayer is not just about requests, prayer is talking to God about what we're doing together. We've talked about that definition a lot over the last weeks. It's not just about making requests. Prayer is actually an act of surrender. They said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said, okay, when you pray, pray like this. Father, hallowed be your name, which is to be different, let's just say, then how then, then, <laughs> then would be Brian's name? Great be Brian's name. Honored be Brian's name. No, 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 not that. Hallowed be your name, God, Father. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay my life down so that Hallowed be your name. I literally, in the last week, there are brothers and sisters who have laid their lives down. Literally. We talk about it more metaphorically. The next line of the prayer, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. I can't pray your kingdom come while I build my kingdom. And yet, most of the time, we're empire building down here on planet Earth, aren't we? Whose empire? My empire. Your empire. And yet, the prayer is your kingdom come. And so, there's got to be a sense in your kingdom come of, hey, God, I need... I should, in fact, I must lay down my things and surrender to what you would want to do. I just want us to remind ourselves that prayer is an act of surrender. You can see it all through the model prayer. Give us each day our daily bread is to de- confess our dependence on God and his ability to meet our needs daily. We want God to meet our needs like monthly or yearly. I mean, uh, honestly. And and we live in a society where often our needs are met monthly or yearly, where we have more than enough. Our abundance is sort of overflowing, if you will. But this confession, even if your physical needs are met with plenty of frequency and all good? What about your emotional needs? What, what about your spiritual needs? What about your soul needs, the, the soul care that needs to happen inside of you? Because you can't go, hey God, would, I'm just gonna show up like once every, you know, like I'm just gonna appeal to some of you online. We've been more than good about online versus in person. And this is not, this is not a guilt thing about online versus important, in person at all. We are very thankful to serve in both ways. But, but it's convenient to like roll out of bed and not have to roll into anything but sort of half sleepiness when we turn the TV or the computer on. It, you know, when I come to church, I got to do a little more, don't I? You guys sitting here are like, wait, we did conveniences aren't bad. But there's something really special and valuable about gathering together. And I think the pandemic has taught us we need each other, hasn't it? Remember, prayer is an act of surrender. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. I am surrendering my right to hold anything against anybody ever. If I say, forgive my sins, because in forgive my sins, I'm laying down my right to not forgive someone else's sins. That's an act of surrender. Remember, prayer is an act of surrender, an act of submission, not just a request making mechanism. Number two, I'm gonna move through these fairly quickly now. Follow a model when you're first learning to pray. Follow a model when you're first learning to pray. I think I put some models here in your outline, so you might have heard these, you might have not heard these, but. There is this prayer, right, the Lord's Prayer, that is often called the model prayer. It gives us a sense of uh, worship. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come is a sense of uh, not just provision, but a, but, a, but a sense of really praying into the reign of God in our lives. Give us each day our daily bread, a sense of dependence. Forgive us our sins, a sense of forgiveness. Lead us not in temptation, a sense of deliverance, right? So you have a model prayer there. There's, there's the famous Acts prayer. It, don't worry. This is not to be confused with the book of Acts in the Bible, and this prayer is nowhere found in the book of Acts in the Bible, but A-C-T-S can spell adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And I supplicate regularly, don't you? Supplication, right? This is where we get down that road and we go, we use these funny words in church. It's about needs, right? Supply, adoration, confession, Thanksgiving, supplication. I've heard the one pray, P-R-A-Y, praise, right? Kind of the way this one begins. Repent, that's that sense of confession that this prayer speaks of. Asking, this would be asking for needs and yielding, a sense of surrender. I think that's a great model. There's the five-finger prayer. So I wrote five fingers there so that you could sort of draw out a hand and write these in. Five fingers. There are several versions of these, but I saw this one the other day, and I really liked it. Worship, gratitude, repentance, listening, and asking. Worship. Worship is, God, you are holy, you are amazing, you are incredible. God, you are great, and I am not. Gratitude. I am struck deeply by reasons that I should choose to be grateful this morning because I'm not facing the suffering of all the brothers and sisters we prayed for today. Gratitude. Repentance, my own need to turn from sin in my own life. Brian, you're a preacher. Do you have... Yes. Preachers are not 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 sinful. I don't know. Did I double negative that in the wrong way? I I don't know. I I just know that I fall short a ton. Repentance, listening, that sense of saying to God, I'm going to listen to what you're saying. And of course, you can involve Scripture, in any of these worship, gratitude, repentance, listening, and asking. This is where we come along to praying for friends and praying for family and praying for ourselves. I usually find that when I am not in a good place in my prayer life, that I skip the first four fingers and go to the last one. It's good to have a model to remind us how to pray well even if we're not just first learning to pray. Number three, ask for what you need and ask for it boldly, but do it with the right motives. This is the balance of what we began with today, trying to balance Jesus saying ask and the book of James telling us to ask with right motives. Ask for what you need boldly. He said shameless audacity, that a lack of self-respect almost which I, as I dug into that, I got to be thinking about the role of humility in prayer and the role of pride in causing me not to pray. Because of your shameless audacity, verse 8 says, boldness, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need because you were bold enough to interrupt his sleep in the middle of the night when you went to the friend. The friend who had the need went to the only person he knew who could make a difference. And he knocked boldly on the door, shamelessly, and probably kept on knocking to say, Friend, help. You're my last hope. I need help. It means I've got to root out my pride. But it also means I probably don't need to root out asking God for that big truck. that I need to check my motives and avoid selfish prayers. James 4.3, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Man, that is so true, but I don't want to admit it. Number four, ask persistently. I I put A-S-K with little dots because because it stands for something here, ask persistently. I think what Jesus is getting at, verse nine, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. Do you get the sense that he's just wanting to sort of word flourish and repeat himself? Or is he telling us to pray persistently? Ask, seek, knock, A-S-K, that's the A-S-K. Ask, seek, knock. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. How often do I pray and God doesn't do what I'm asking and so I stop praying? You might have noticed God works on a different timeline. It's almost like He exists outside of time. It's almost like God is not time bound. It's almost like a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day to God. Because you and I say, God, do this, and we always mean now. When do you ever go to God and say, God, do this, and you mean like in 10 years? It's like never. Just keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And number five, trust that the father delights in giving the best to his kids. I'm mean, to I trust that the father delights. The good, good father delights in giving the best to his kids. Which takes me back to the surrender we began with, that sometimes when I pray, God says yes, and sometimes when I pray, God says no, but if God says no, he is still doing what is best. And sometimes I pray and God says wait, and waiting can also be God's best, right? Because waiting stretches our faith unlike anything else. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? You don't do that. But if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, don't you give the best to your kids? Don't, you want, don't we all want better for our kids than we had for ourselves? A couple of you are kids today. Thank you. All of you actually are kids today. You all have parents. Some of us our parents are gone and but you're all kids at some level. I think it's really easy when we're on the kids side of it to forget that the parents really do love and care. Don't that our parents try to do what's best, that they did their best, that their best is enough. And yet he says, if we're evil and we know how to do that, then how much more would God give his best? And of course, as I pointed out when I read the passage to begin with, the best you can ever give is to give yourself. You know as well as I do that some of the best memories you have are when your kids, right, the hand-drawn card, the thing that's, that you still have in a box somewhere, or it's in a drawer in your desk, or it's still beside your nightstand, but your kids are much older, or... The very best you can give isn't a thing, but it is to give yourself. And he said, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So which would you rather have? I'm going to just ask you straight up. If you said to God, God, give me my greatest need, and I think my greatest need is the big shiny truck, and God said, okay, you got the big shiny truck, but I'm walking away. Which is better, the big shiny truck or the gift giver? Because we often fall in love with the gift and forget the gift giver. And I think that's a lot of what Jesus is getting at for us. That if I want to make requests in the right way, that I need to learn to be content and satisfied with the gift giver, that there should be a place of surrender in my life that says, God, I'm asking, and if God doesn't do it, then I'm trusting that God knows what I don't know. That God knows what you don't know. I want to come back to my online friends, and then I want to pray our two closing prayers. I said something just moments ago about not taking online too convenient, but I realize that there are some of you who maybe for the very first time in ages or maybe even ever gave church a chance today, please know that we are thrilled that you are doing that, and that's not convenience. That's bold audacity, and we are thankful you're doing that. We would love to have you in person when you feel safe to do so, but know this, Jesus loves you, and if you're in the room today, I would say the same thing to you. His grace is good. So I always end with two prayers. That first is a prayer of salvation. If you need salvation today, I want to encourage you online or right here in the room to pray with me. Can we do that? After that, I'm going to pray a prayer of application. It's a prayer of discipleship for those of us who have been walking with the Lord and yet need to have God move in these ways. So a prayer of salvation, if you need Jesus today and you need to recognize that he died on the cross for your sins, that is personal to you, that you can receive his grace right here, right now. And when you receive his grace, you get to become a grace giver, which is sort of a cool deal. Maybe you would pray like this with me and say Jesus I am so broken. And I am so sinful or messed up or I fall short. I do wrong. And as humanity I just confess that compared to you God we are evil. And so, Jesus, I ask you to invade my life that your kingdom would come to me personally right now. Jesus, I ask you to forgive my sins and take over my life and be my king and make me not only a part of your kingdom, but use me in your kingdom. Jesus, I give my life to you. I trust that you died for my sins and that you rose again. Work in me, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, would you let me know? You can let me know on the communication card or the digital communication card. You can let me know by seeking me out as soon as we're done. You can let me know. A number of ways. You can let somebody else around you know. You can email me. I'm Brian B R I A N at harvestchurcheugene.com. Eugene.com. A lot of you prayed that prayer like three years ago, five years ago, three weeks ago, 10, 20, 30 years ago. And yet you would like me would say today, I, I gotta grow in this. I need I need to be better about this. Anybody? Would you pray this prayer of application of discipleship with me? Say, Jesus. Thank you that you not only hear my prayers, but you actually answer them. And I confess that I often pray with selfish motives. And so help me to correct that. Jesus, I'm asking today, that you solve my biggest need knowing that you've already solved my most important need my need for you and so help me to keep on asking and help me to keep on waiting and help me to keep on praying Jesus give me forgiveness and help me to Share your forgiveness abundantly. And while I wait on you, Jesus, I surrender and I trust that you know what's best. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God is good, isn't He? He is. So. Are we ending at this part today? All right. So here's what I want to do today as we sort of wind it down, bring it home. I want you to go knowing that that big, crazy, broken, fallen apart, messed up world out there has a king who's waiting, who's working for his kingdom to come. And you get to be a part of that. So as you go today, go, but go being sent to be kingdom makers hope makers, not only kingdom recipients, but kingdom sharers. Can we do that as we go today? All right, that'll be my prayer for you. I love you guys. I'm glad you were with us online. Bless you all. Have a great week.